We've been, I was going to skip a passage. I'm sorry. Uh, I told somebody that and they were like, we're just skipping the Bible now. I was about to do that. Um, so we got, there's like, we're, we're, we've been going through Acts. If you're new, uh, 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 welcome to Catalyst, our little family gathering of microchurch leaders and missionaries. Uh, we, and we hope you, you find your home in the mission of God somewhere in the city. This is not home uh, uh, necessarily. Uh, but we want you to find community and redemptive mission out in the city. And this is where we gather together. And part of what we do every single week is we just study the Bible together as a community. We try to surrender as a whole community to the truth that God is delivering to us in a space, in a moment, and just submit to it, learn from it. And we've been going through Acts, and we're hitting this like quick seven verses where we've been in Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey for quite some time now. And they're, they're basically coming home. They're just coming home to Antioch. They're st- stopping at a few places along the way, encouraging believers. They're installing elders in some of the, the, the churches that they've helped establish. And uh, they're on their way home. And I was just going to skip over it because uh, it didn't seem very eventful. I'm sorry. Um, but I, as, we were, we, as you know, we were wrestling, I was wrestling a little bit more with that passage. I thought there was something in it for us. Um, and we're going to do something a little different this morning. So typically we do like this open air Bible study. You all get a chance to read the passage. We kind of have this and, you know, we, we have a corporate dialogue about it. Uh, but if you'd forgive me, we're going to change course a little bit this morning. Um, and there's this line at the end of this text that I think has, you know, we, we want to turn a corner and we want to have an open conversation this morning about leadership and missionary life. And, uh, so if you'd pray with me, and then I'll kind of I'll kind of talk for maybe five minutes, and then invite up some amazing leaders, and we're going to have a little open discussion. Yeah, God, we uh, uh, surrender to you. We need you every single day, every morning, every hour. We need you, and in this space, God, uh, just like everything else, this is all meaningless. The wires, the 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 the, the speakers, the seats, the 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 music, the sound, the scene. God, it's meaningless. If you don't come and, and encounter us in some way, this is why we gather to worship you, to bring you glory, and to sit under your leadership. We're, we're sheep, God. Just speak to us. We need you. It's in your name. Amen. Right at the end of this passage, Paul and Barnabas are coming home. They're passing through a, through, through a few towns. I'm not going to read the whole thing. And there's these last two verses. And you've got the passage with you. There's these last two verses where they arrive in Antioch. It says they arrive in Antioch where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. That this was the church where they were having, they were praying and fasting and suddenly in the middle of this prayer meeting, all these leaders were like, we're supposed to, the spirit of the living God is asking us to set apart two of our best leaders to go, to, to be commissioned out to do something that he has for them. And they lay hands on, that, on those people and see them set off on their first missionary journey. They're returning to that people, that family, those leaders, at the end of the work that they had now completed. And on arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And then they stayed there a long time with the disciples. They stayed there a long time with the disciples. They had just completed this grueling, hard, arduous work. We talked last week. Paul just got stoned. And, le- and they thought he- they were confident he was dead. That just happened. And then the disciples gather around him, and he stands up, and they go right back into the city. So they- they've, like, gone through it. 
and they've been, been going town to town and experiencing the, the extremes of people surrendering their life to Jesus and the Spirit of God falling on people and at the same time persecution and resistance as they go. And now they're coming home. And when they get there, they report on all they've done, and then they, they stay there a long time with the disciples. And I just started wondering if, if perhaps maybe in our time and from our perspective and our vantage point, if there would be a temptation to look at that time at home, that time that they spent with the disciples in, a, in an established church, if we would look at that long time that they stayed with the disciples as a waste of time, as a waste of a year, that there's, there's more cities in the ancient Near East to reach. There's more people who don't know about Jesus. We got to hustle. We got to get back. We reported on all we've done. What do you think? What do you think about that? Anything to contribute to our message or to our ministry or to our method or to our strategy? And now we're heading right back out. But they don't head right back out. They stay with the disciples for a long time. Bobby Clinton, if you, you know, this, this uh, uh, seminary professor who kind of got obsessed in the 90s with Christian leadership and sustainability of, and what, what makes a Christian leader, how, 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 do, how do Christian leaders emerge, how do they sustain, what do they do, and he just, he, 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 he was on the edge of thinking about Christian leadership. He read through the Bible with a focus on leadership, uh, almost trying to develop like a hermeneutic of Christian leadership. And reading through the Bible, he developed four transcendent truths about leadership uh, uh, in Scripture. Things that emerge from all these all these stories of leadership, these characters of leadership. And these will, these, some of these will sound very basic to you, but just give me give me a minute. He 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 presents these four maybe transcendent biblical truths about leadership. One, leadership is difficult. Shocking. What? <laughs> Leadership is difficult. One, two. God's enabling presence is the the essential ingredient of quote unquote successful leadership. God's enabling presence is the essential ingredient to successful leadership. Three, spiritual leadership can make a lasting difference in the world. And four, this one is the this is the one that causes some sobriety. Four. Few leaders finish well. Few leaders finish well. Bobby Clinton studied all the all the examples of Christian leadership in Scripture. He found that there are around 800 leaders, influencers in some way, mentioned in the Bible. And there are only about 100 of those 800 leaders that provide enough data points on their life and their leadership for you to interpret anything about them. Only about 100 leaders that you can do that with. And of those 100, there's about 50 of those leaders who have enough data in, in the telling of Scripture to evaluate the end of their ministry, to evaluate their finish. And of those 50 leaders in Scripture, about one in three finish well. One in three. That the odds of, in Bobby Clinton's language, finishing well, the, the odds of remaining faithful to Jesus and his call, his destiny upon your life to the end. The odds of actually remaining faithful to that road in Scripture was one in three. And the evidence through history, if you look at church history, as he does, Bobby Clinton does, the evidence through history is that that one in three ratio is actually quite generous in church history and in contemporary 
Christian leadership. And the two archetype examples of, li- of lifelong, finishing in the end, healthy, holistic, sustainable leadership in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the two archetypes are uh, uh, Daniel and Paul, according to Bobby Clinton. What is, and what is true of biblical leaders, he wants to say, is equally true of historical and, tempor- and contemporary leaders. The three major reasons for leaders not finishing well, both in Scripture and throughout history, the three major reasons leaders do not finish well is burnout. Any nods? No? Yeah? Burnout, conflict, either conflict they're directly involved in or conflict that they're in the, in the middle of trying to mitigate, conflict that tears apart somehow ministry that people built so long, burnout, conflict, or moral failure. And moral failure particularly around sex, money, and power. That's, that's, that's it. That's where it happens, sex, money, and power. And over the last 40 years of what Bobby Clinton could conclude, nearly 80% of Christian leaders don't finish well. Nearly 80%. They, and it doesn't mean, by that I don't mean like they don't finish their, the ministry that they're doing or the microchurch that they're doing. I'm not saying like you have to lead your microchurch for the rest of your life. Because who are you to say that it's supposed to exist the rest of your life, actually? That microchurches oftentimes have a lifespan, a birth and a death, and sometimes we can try to keep alive a microchurch that God, God, you've already fulfilled God's assignment for you. Uh, uh, and he actually wants that thing to diminish because he's calling you into a new thing. What Bobby Clinton means by, li- by, by being faithful to the finish is just remaining faithful to Jesus and his cause on your life, even when it changes. To all the way to the end of your life, be listening to Jesus and saying yes to whatever he says. That's what he would say is finishing well, however that looks. And nearly 80% of people don't finish that way. Meaning they walk away from the faith entirely or they say, look, I still believe. I just, don't wanna, I just do not want to be used by God. It's just trouble. And they, they fall away from that race because of conflict, burnout, or moral failure around sex, money, and power. Nearly 80%. Nearly 80%. Today, close to 1,500 people leave ministry every month due to burnout, conflict, and moral failure. And that overall number of people leaving ministry leadership every month actually increases if they're in ministry contexts of high trauma, high strain. And fascinatingly enough, if, if people are in contexts of high, high strain, uh, high openness to secondhand trauma, almost, the, the ratio of people, um, uh, almost all of those people who leave ministry are leaving because of conflict and burnout, and there's very few people who leave that ministry context due to moral failure. And if you flip it around and people who aren't engaged in context of high sacrifice, high emotional strain, and high trauma, the, it flips the other way. People are not leaving because of conflict and because of conflict and burnout. They're leaving because of moral failure. Um, and there's a lot to say in there. I'm not going to say it right now, but I think it has a lot to do with boredom. Uh, uh, but there's a, there's a lot to say in even that flipping. And embedded right here in Acts, very briefly by Luke, very quickly by Luke, is the story of the archetype leader finishing well in the New Testament, taking a break. Quickly mentioned in the book of Acts, quickly mentioned by this writer Luke, 
is the story of two guys who just went on a on breakneck pace doing ministry sacrificially and coming back to home and spending time at home. Spending a season at home, which could be interpreted as entirely wasteful. You've only got one life. You've only got one. Why would you waste a year residing in a place that is already reached? Residing at a place you call home. And I think there's uh, actually a whole lot to learn from Paul in this text. I was reading an article this week on Christianity Today. The title of this, this article was Self-Control, the Make-or-Break Virtue in the Life of a Leader. Self-Control, the Make-or-Break Virtue in the Life of a Leader. It said, now more than ever, one moment, one moment. You tell me if this is true. Now more than ever, one moment can tear apart in one day the life and legacy of a leader. The essential virtue is self-control. No wonder Scripture lists self-control as a qualification for church leaders in Titus and 1 Timothy, describes self-control as a fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, and, and likens a person without self-control to a city broken into and left without walls, Proverbs 25. That a person without self-control is, is like a city broken into and left without walls. So I want to have, have a discussion this morning about self-leadership in microchurch life and missionary life. And, and, and within the domain of self-leadership, uh, uh, thinking about self-discipline, and, the, and, and, the, and taking responsibility in leadership to some degree of our own uh, spiritual formation and our own spiritual disciplines and who we are becoming in our sanctification, but also within self-leadership, our, our self-development, being lifelong learners, developing um, vocationally, emotionally, mentally, and within self-leadership, uh, con- being concerned about our self-care, our restoration, um, and actually, each of those things is going to look a little bit different for different people in different spaces, in different seasons of life. So I thought the best way to tackle it was with a panel, talking about what the navig- navigating those things from their perspective in their season of life among the people that they serve. Uh, so I'm going to invite up Labria and Vanessa and John Dangler and Ryan Polonio to come up and sit, and we're going to be uh, having a little conversation. How am I doing? Good. Ooh, yeah. Good, 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 good. Okay, hi, friends. Why don't you each uh, introduce yourself uh, to, the, to the family? Just say name and then maybe the microchurch or microchurches that you're a part of, lead, um, and then I'll jump in and ask you some questions. I guess I'll go first. Ryan Polonio. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I am the co-leader of uh, Kindred House Church and one of the elders with the underground. My name's Labria Cherry, and I'm a part of Mama Africana. Yeah. yeah. That's all you want to say? 
So I'm John Dengler. Um, I work with The Well and uh, Wubbo Bikes. I'm Vanessa Power, and <laughs> um, I'm with 411 House and Held and um, Trellis, actually, back there. Well, let's, um, uh, you know, I kind of set it up so you, and you guys know uh, uh, what we're kind of trying to bring and have an open dialogue in front of a bunch of observers. And so uh, first question, thinking about a little bit about spiritual disciplines, I'd love to just hear from you how your relationship to spiritual disciplines has developed or changed um, over the life of your leadership and maybe how it looks right now a little bit. So if you want to speak into that a little bit. I guess I'm going first. Um, I think over time, definitely, it's grown as you try to be more missional and, you know, grow in your walk with Jesus. I think you definitely need more dependence and more discipline. I think trying to set aside time for that and make it a priority. I think it's definitely about having good consistency and trying not to do too much, but just trying to make sure that it's consistent and intentional. I definitely think that doing mission is really hard, and it's you know, it can be exhausting sometimes, especially if you're doing it as mom, because I have four children, and I'm a working mom, and I think that you definitely have to set aside time to grow closer to Jesus and make that a priority, because mm -hmm. if not, it's just, like you said, burnout super yeah. fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Any moms in the room? No? It's no. like, mmm. Mmm. Mm, amen. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. That's great. Okay. So, um, for me, I think it's a little bit just different. When I was younger yeah. um, and growing in my faith um, in the earlier stages, I was told like very regimented ways to connect with the Lord. Um, you need to have 30 minutes in the morning. You need to do this before bed. You need to do this. And that's what I thought was pleasing and acceptable to the Lord. He's proud of me. I need time. I'm good. But as I've grown, that the Lord is just breaking all of that up and saying, what? Am I, am I only available at these times? Like, why, why are you thinking right, that that? Right, fills? right, right. That's right. You know, so it's, for me, it's more of a, me and the Lord are walking together, wherever yes. that's at. If yeah. I'm going to the coffee shop in line, yeah. I could be singing a song, I could be praying for the person in front of me. It's just throughout. Yeah. So it, yes. it's freed up, and it looks very fluid instead of segmented. Yeah, 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 yeah. Amen to that. Yes. Um, you know, I, I am the opposite of you. So <laughs> I, uh, I did not grow up following Jesus. And when I started, it was really, really confusing as to, like, what did you have to do? And by nature, I'm a very undisciplined person with like everything, with my time, with working. So as I've grown into an adult, I've had to adult well. And as I've grown yes. into someone who cares about Jesus and wants to do ministry, I've also had to do that well. And discipline has been a really big part of that. So uh, understanding my deficiencies and then trying to supplant that with some kind of discipline has been a bit of a journey for me. But, you know, it, it sounds simple, things like uh, finding time to pray and engaging with people. You know, those are all things that you could do organically, but if that's not something that is actually natural to you, then you have to, like, form some type of rhythm around it. 
And discipline doesn't necessarily mean something that's like self-flagellation, right. but it does mean uh, intentionality. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I used to think about spiritual discipline as something that existed alongside of everything else. So set aside time to pray, set aside yeah. time to read scripture. And, mm-hmm. and there's still, I'd say, activities that I do that maybe are more explicitly spirit, like prayer yeah. and meditation, like yeah. time set aside. Those things are exist. But I think for me over the years, integration has become the like – yeah. Tactic, so more mm-hmm. fluid, right? right like, right. Um, every, everything is spiritual. It yeah. all matters. So, right. so like perhaps like showing up at the conscious party as discipline, or right. you know, running with the, being with someone in the community as discipline, as l- listening and looking for and hearing from God. And so, so I, I here's like a very stupid example. So your life, all of your lives are filled with very mundane things. Mm-hmm. Um, that you do every single day and arguably are disciplines. Um, Most of you brush your teeth regularly. You're pretty disciplined about that. And something motivates that. Um, And I would argue that, and and actually it's measurable, most of your life is full of things like that. Mm -hmm. And so if those things are considered like apart from something spiritual and discipline, uh, I would argue you're making a mistake. So, like, here's a stupid example from my life. Um, when I wake up in the morning um, and put on, so say I lace up my boots or tie my shoes, I, I've tried to make that an intentional, prayerful act and just simply kind of have this reflection, may my feet be fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Nice. Right? So I've tried to conflate what is a liturgy of my life with, intentionality and prayerfulness and I do suck at generally setting aside large chunks of time uh, that I just sit and read or pray or whatever like I have times that are broken throughout my life but it was more meaningful to me and more doable to me to integrate that into all that I do yeah yeah, so good, so good. I, and this is this is the beauty of having a, a panel of people in different seasons, different spaces, is that you can see, I hope you see, there's not one answer for this. There's not one way to do this. And it can be like, uh, set. It, and it depends on a little bit on personality and gifting and makeup and wiring. And it depends on what is God doing in you right now in this season and and asking you to, what, what way is he inviting you into intimacy in this season? Um, and it can look like uh, being in line at, at Starbucks and like very fluid. And it can look like building liturgy around the ordinary. And it can look like discipline, set aside times. You know, um, can you can you each talk a little bit about how you're in leadership in this season? How you're prioritizing um, lifelong learning, and uh, uh, and and what the, even what that means to you. Um, lifelong learning in this season. Yeah, I'll go first. Yeah, I'll go first this time. I think because my answer for this is very short. This so we just launched uh, Well Built Bikes a little over a year ago. Um, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I'm just learning bikes. I'm just learning running a business. I'm just you know. And so there's so much about my life that I've just dove into that I'm like trying to figure it out. So. I mean, sure, I take advantage of any opportunity I can, so seminars and workshops and, you know, coaching and things like that that I can 
find support and be developed, but it's been OJT. Mm -hmm. So on the job training, like just jump in, figure it out. And that for me has been education, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah, that's, yeah, that's great. Okay, so I think um, everyone's different, and I tend to be a little bit more structured. I maybe crave discipline. I like order, and um, think over time that in order for me to help grow or leave space and room to grow, I have tried to get into the practice of waking up early before my children. If anybody has children, they wake up earlier and earlier and earlier to the point where you can't. I can see Tiffany shaking her head no because not everyone's like that. But I like to have space to sort of, grow, you know, have time to myself to allow growth in whatever area. I'm kind of a reader. I haven't always been. But again, I've like developed the habit of falling in love with reading. Um, I think there was a long season I didn't do it, but um, I think setting goals for the year. So I personally tried to set like a reading list of goals. And then even if I happen to have that space where it's like five minutes or 10 minutes, I'm not in that moment thinking like, what should I do in these minutes? It's like, oh, I've already set that up. So I think for me, just setting personal goals for yourself and trying to make space to do that. And it could just be five minutes because my kids woke up really early that day. <laughs> and But I think, again, it has to do with being intentional and consistent rather than the quantity and overwhelming yourself. Because I'm certainly in a season where, you know, you just don't have a lot of free time to yourself. Um, so you ha if you really want that space to have development, you know, and I'm, when I say reading, I don't actually mean reading. Other moms are probably like, how do you read? I don't read. I listen. Audiobooks, podcasts, you know, like I'm the one like walking around with my earbuds in and like trying to listen because all that time is just like, a l not wasted time, but there are more minutes in your day and they sort of collect and add up if you actually are intentional about it. So, I so for me, I, I do think I'm a pretty disciplined person, but at the same time, I get bored really easily. So it never looks the same at different seasons of life. So I'm not a big reader, um, and I don't really like conferences. So that is more of what I think of as people like, oh, go to this conference. Um, so for me, <laughs> it looks like conversations that I'm not used to having with people. It looks like fasting. Um, it looks like prayer retreats, things that kind of get me out and seeing different things, asking the Lord different questions, and engaging those conversations with people. Yeah, I mean, I think all those things are good. I I, uh, I generally have, like, a idea about uh, what it means to continue to learn. I feel like there, there gets to a point where somehow we are taught that the idea of getting, you're supposed to get to a certain point where you grow up and then you're competent at something. And so for some reason, at some point in time, people generally stop trying to learn new things. Um, you know, we teach our kids, like, you know, you got to tie your shoelaces so you don't have to learn how to tie your shoes anymore. But that kid may never get to the point where they're praying while tying their shoes because they think that they're competent. They're masters at tying your shoes or masters at doing whatever. And I've been really learning that I need to push against that. There's a, a, a lot of things that I don't know. And in particular, when given the opportunity to either think about them myself or share, I'm usually exposed or I, I, I get used to the uh, deficiencies in either what I know or what I need to know. And so uh, 
for me, what it means to to continue to grow in like learning is like multiple stages. So one is like knowing yourself. You know, I, I think uh, as we grow and we're in different part, uh, places in our lives, we get to know ourselves a little bit more, uh, n- knowing God and then kind of applying that to the world around us. Um, and if you need application, that's, that's where you're going to find out where you're like, all right, I need to know more about this. Let me learn some about that. And, uh, you know, I also am like a like a podcast junkie. So I'll listen to things that uh, are about the topics that I'm interested in at the moment or uh, audiobooks as a means of like getting more information and then attempting to uh, apply that to what I think uh, using cognitive dissonance to say, am I wrong about this? Am I right about this? And how does this impact the way that I think about that particular subject? Um, and then I just share it with my community. So uh, one of the things that I do as well is to keep me honest. I'm always sharing about the things that I'm thinking about with the people around me. And that either uh, challenges me or proves me wrong or gives me an opportunity to, to grow. And I'm always about that. Yeah. Well, I was going to say really quick. Yeah, totally. I add one thing. I think that, you know, when you were talking about before being a lifetime learner, yeah. I really like that um, mm-hmm. idea because if you are trying to always think about how you can maybe do something better or reevaluate, I think it's important to just be always asking questions. And if you want to grow and you want to be better at something or you just want to improve your life, just ask questions, asking the people. Like I find that if I go to somebody else, another microchurch, another person, or, um, like, well, how are you doing that? Like, how, how do you do that? How can I do that better? Oh, that's a good idea. So I think even if you're just doing simple things like that by trying to be intentionally like going and asking people and just trying to seek it out yeah. more. Yeah, that's right. And and I know earlier I mentioned Bobby Clinton and 80% looking like we're, we're probably not going to reach the finish line, all that kind of stuff. He does this research where he tries to identify what are the characteristics of like transcendent characteristics of leaders that do finish well. The 20% is there something that we can learn about them? Something we and then we can try to aspire to. And he identifies these six things. And one of those things is that those leaders shocker maintain a a relationship with Jesus. So that's really positive, really good. And two, they, they hold a posture of lifelong learning. That there's something that happens when leaders actually like turn themselves off to learning and start thinking maybe they've landed, in, in not just in skills and vocations, but in all of life. They just get it. They can't learn anything else. That actually then puts them on a track to not finishing well and to failure. Um, and so I love how there's like a mentioning of both, like trying to, trying to learn thyself and figuring out spaces in your life that I, I actually want to develop in this space that I realize I'm weak and having specific spaces of learning and development. But also like Vanessa saying, like almost having a posture of learning to all of life, like asking questions and being open to God and humble and trying to like in, like have feedback loops in your personal life, in your relationships, in your microchurch, always hungry to learn. Uh, I think that's excellent. Could, could each of you maybe talk a little bit about navigating the tensions of, of biblical self-care um, uh, today? And, and what does self-care look like for you and restoration and Sabbath? What, what does that, those kinds of rhythms look like for you? I will lead off. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, self-care, you know, feels like like a buzzword right now, right? right? So like you may hear a lot of people 
talk about self-care and, and maybe the challenge of that is it feels, because it has the word self in it, it feels selfish. And to one who is, you know, heavenly minded, thinking about Jesus, thinking about uh, the kingdom, you know, it feels like the, antith the antithesis to that, right? So caring about myself is somehow harming my, my living out of the gospel. It's harming my ability to be a, a missionary or, or to be whatever it is that God is calling you to do, right? And I am at the point now where I realize that is a grave error. Like, we aren't machines, and even machines need to be maintained. They need to be uh, yeah. serviced. Yeah. And we treat ourselves, and, and maybe it's just like a, a bit of like a temporal way of thinking, right? Like, so you think of yourself like, you, there's no, like, when I was a younger person, I thought being 30 was old, right? <laughs> and then I turned 30, I'm like, oh, this is nothing. Right. You know, what right. does it mean to be 70? And I'm like, it, it hurts my brain. But what does it mean to, to have longevity in right. anything? Right. Uh, is to think about how you can do that. And, you know, your body breaks down. Uh, your emotions are going through things. That, you know, my life has only gotten more complicated. You know, a shout out to, like, the, people, like the moms. So like, even yeah, though yeah. I, like, I'm a husband, I'm a dad. It is not, uh, it is not a comparison to being a mom, right? Yeah. The things you have to do uh, every single day to take care of kids. Uh, and then if you also feel the call to ministry, then how do you do all those things where you're taking care of other people and other things? Yeah. And then how do you then take care of yourself? Yeah. So I'm saying all that to set the stage of saying taking care of yourself or self-care is, I think, an essential part of what I believe to be cycles and rhythms of doing and, and, and resting uh, and then what that looks like, uh, I think, is contextualized yeah. to where you are at. Yeah. Um, yes. I'll, I'll pass on. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think the, I guess, biggest thing for me is to know that whatever works for me works for me, and whatever works for you works for you. Mm. I think a lot of times people will try to box in what self-care is and give yeah. you a little handout. Oh, this is what you yeah. can do to feel better. Yeah. Um, but that's just. Yeah. I just. That's just not cool. Yeah. And so yeah. for me, I love naps and yeah. I, I take them <laughs> unapologetically. <laughs> so even if it's five o'clock at night, people are like, what? It's almost bedtime. Just, and I'm like, I can get in a good 45 minutes. I'm good. <laughs> so, but people will say, you're lazy. What are you doing? Sometimes yeah. on Saturdays, I don't get up till 11 and I'm good with that. Yeah. And so that's what works for me though. I'm productive. I do what I need to do. But at the same time, I take care of myself with my nap. So yeah, yeah, do yeah. what works for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Context. <laughs> yeah. So there was a time I think that I equated self-care or rest with self-indulgence. Yeah. So I would overeat, overplay, overdrink, yeah. over whatever, overindulge, and then be worse off than when I sought that rest to begin with. And um, I think over the years, like I've realized that self-care isn't about enjoyment or pleasure, and I'll, and a lot of times it's brutal. Um, it is busting your ass in the gym. Yeah. It's ending a toxic relationship. It's looking yourself in the mirror and confessing your sins. Um, sometimes it's naps, you know what I mean? But it's <laughs> it's it's often um, it's goal setting and periods of reflection. Yeah. Um, it, so like, it's cool. And I, like, I like to, so like a Saturday, so like I never took 
I, I'll just say I never took days off, like full days off. I didn't like Sabbath. I've just never done until really recently. So I started dating Erica, and she insisted that I have a day mm-hmm. to hang out with her. Yeah. And so I now take Saturdays off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's unbelievably cool. <laughs> so I have a new goal around it where I'm like, it's don't have a comma on your step count that day. That's that's a good goal, right? Yeah, 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 like, yeah, don't do anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, but that's a bit of an exaggeration. But right. so like it's nice to lay around and watch Netflix yeah. and eat, right? But <laughs> but no, it's and that's fine. It's good in its place. Yeah. But self care is like parenting a child. So you guys keep reference. I don't have a child, but I can imagine what it's like, and I know what your responsibilities are, parents. So like the if you let your kid lay around and watch TV and eat dessert all day, you're a bad parent. <laughs> Amen? Amen. And if you let yourself do that, you have failed to care for yourself. I could argue you don't care for your child if they do that. Yeah. You don't care for yourself if yeah. you allow yourself to do that yeah. in excess. Yeah. Right? Um, and if you have a life that you constantly need to run away from, Fix your life. Mm. Build a better life. Mm. Let your mission and work and engagement fill you and drive you. There's something really wrong if you need to escape all the time. Yeah. So right. start over. Right. Go back to the drawing board. It's right. not about you need a nap. Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. I like naps too. Uh, yeah. um, I think that it is like you're so... I mean, some days I'm so tired when I come home, and kids can be so exhausting mentally for moms who are at home. Stay at home, anybody? No? (laughs) I work too, but it's still, it's really hard just with kids in general mentally. So there are a lot of times where I just want to disconnect for a minute. I just want to turn off my brain, just want to like lay for a minute, or I just want to watch a show. And I think those are fine, like you were saying, like those are okay. It's just that you also have to recognize that they're very finite in the way that they're like fill you up they're not actually going to bring you rest it's just more like a temporary fix so that's okay but I think you have to find something else that will actually bring you more fulfillment in Jesus and I think that figuring out again trying to be a little bit reflective like what does that for me um I think that I'm a very relational person anybody who knows me so I like to be with people I like talking to people I think that but again as a mom it can be not a priority so you have to make it a priority you have to be like I'm going to have a date with another mom or another woman a female mentor my life who's gonna that I can have coffee with or I'm going to text someone every day just to check in because that person I mean you have to just find someone who inspires you or offer to pray with you. And those things to me are self-care because they do fill me up and make me feel like I have better direction than just maybe like laying, binge watching a show or something right, <laughs> like right, that's fine, right, but it just right. actually doesn't really do the job of bringing me closer to yeah, Jesus. So yes, that's yes. sort of my, yeah, how I would self-care. Yes. I, I do want to say one more thing. So, you know, self-care is really about caring for the entire self so it's not just your your it's it's your health, yeah, your yeah. your spiritual health, your emotional health, yeah. your your mental health, yes. your your physical health. Yeah. You know, there 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 are so many ways in which, like for instance, people in the culture that I'm a part of, like 
don't like going to the doctor or the dentist or something like that. Man, listen, if you are adulting really hard, you got you got like dental insurance, man, go to the dentist. You know why? Because going to the dentist is self-care. Taking care of your yeah. teeth so that yeah, you don't have right. mouth right. pain, right. you know, right. is taking care of yourself. Yeah. You know, go get a checkup once a, once a year at least. Yeah. You know, figure out if you have high blood pressure or high cholesterol like like you will not be okay later if you don't take care of yourself right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, and John mentioned this, but man, uh, find health in your life. Like go to the gym. You yeah. know, I, I'm preaching to myself here because right. right. I have a gym membership. Sometimes they call me. They're like, "Hey, man, you still you still alive? Are we, still, are, we are we still friends? We good? Yeah, you good? I'm like, yeah, man, uh, hey, I've been meaning to come over there. I'm so sorry. You know, it's like, um, but you know. Get get healthy. I mean, be concerned. Or even, you know, I've been I've gone through an entire year of of journey of thinking about my mental and emotional health, going to the doctor, thinking about my anxiety, uh, wrestling with depression. Some people in my community, I've I've talked openly about this. You know, these are things that you don't have to struggle with or do in silence. You know, what it means to take care of yourself does mean to think about that and to 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 attach an action to that thing. Amen. 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 I'm, I'm really glad you said that, man. And yeah. I think I think maybe at the first part of my answer, like the first question of the idea of thinking it was something apart from my life. And I think in as much as we think our spirituality is like something like you are a holistic being. Yeah. And the idea that like you can just that you're. That, okay, your body is a prison to your soul, and your soul will escape that and like escape into eternity. That is, that is heresy, right? Um, and that's not true. That's not Christian. Yeah. That yeah, idea yeah. is yeah. not real yeah. or true. You are body, mind, heart, soul, spirit. You are one, right? Yeah. And to care for your body and your mind and your relationships is to care for your soul, yeah, to your and your spirit. There are all one and in as much as we can get away from that thinking which is very hard for us being western yeah yeah um yeah it's toxic the ideas that and the action that grows out of that is toxic and so uh yeah mental health Mm -hmm. is spiritual health Mm -hmm. physic so some of you have known me a long time some of you and those of you that have know that i whether i said that or not i practically only cared about uh oh, I didn't care about my body. Yeah. I didn't care about my well-being. I didn't care to stay alive. Mm-hmm. I cared about work, uh performance. I cared about and I, so I cared about like missional production and the kingdom coming, but like I I I didn't matter. And I could tell you like in the past few years where I've taken seriously like m- me, like mental health, physical health, and I've gone and got some checkups fix some stuff uh it's amazing how you can that translates into holistic spiritual well-being you're like i think sharper i hear from god better i i care more i like it changes things and even depression surprisingly you can treat with push-ups like you yeah yeah yeah. you you know what i mean like they 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 interact they all go together all right yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) you're saying like that too like with especially for moms, it made me think like so and so much like guilt out there for moms. Like if you want to do something for yourself or you feel like you need it because you're at that burnout stage. And I think moms sort of let themselves just get really 
really burnt out spiritually, relationally in so many ways that it just, then it can be really hard to recover from. So I think that it's okay to, it, it seems selfish, but it's okay to take spiritual self-care or physical self-care if that means like for a minute that like you have to put your children second first. I hate to yeah. say it sounds very right. sad or, right. you know, people may not like that, but I think you are a better mom and you can care for them better yeah. and you can come back stronger to sort of disciple them better because you yeah. are in clear mind and so I just wanted to point that out because yeah. I feel like moms have a lot of sort of yeah. difficult times self-caring. We just sort of burn out until we just stop. <laughs> and then it's really bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Really bad. yeah. Well, look, can we um, – I'd love to – instead of just clapping for them saying thanks so much for coming, I'd love to just say a blessing o- over these leaders because they're uh, gifts of influence in the community and what they've offered here is some real treasure, right? So – um, I'd love to just maybe just hold out our hands and just say a quick blessing over uh, uh, these microchurch leaders. Lord, uh, we're grateful. We're grateful that thus far in the life of these four leaders, they have defied the statistics. And God, that they are, they are leading and living well because, because of your enabling grace in them. And so, God, we ask for more. We ask for more of it. Would you uh, continue to lift up their lives and, uh, and carry them in life and leadership um, and, and as they grow more and more uh, in the transformation of the work that they're doing in the city, but also examples uh, for our community here. We love them. We're grateful for them. It's in your name. Amen. 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 Thanks so much. If the worship team would come up, I'm just going to close uh, with a couple thoughts while I'm putting up chairs so that the worship team can come up. <laughs> Welcome to the underground. Um, self-leadership is a lifelong leader's make or break virtue. As God invites us to take responsibility for our discipline, our development, and our restoration. And some of you have heard me tell the story maybe like a couple years ago when we were down on second was the last time I told it because it's embarrassing. So it, get, it, get, it takes me a little bit to get to it. But, um, you know, John was talking about, hey, here's how I saw self-care. And I was just kind of like running after it. And I saw self-care as indulgence. And he talked a little bit about some of the fruit of that decision over time. It leads to, it, it leads to destruction. It leads to pain. It leads to death. Uh, a death of leadership, death of ministry. Um, and when I was a when I was a senior in college, I I had that same view that 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 um, that any version of restoration or Sabbath or self care was actually self indulgence, and it was somehow anti Christian. It was against the mission of God. It was outside the character of Jesus to engage that kind of stuff. And I I was. You know, we were trying to do Bible studies in dorms, and then we were trying to run a large group worship service on campus on Thursday night, and we were trying we were trying to plant and lead like three or four or five microchurches all over the city, and I was trying to finish a math degree. I was taking taking like three or four different 400 level math classes, and I didn't understand what they were saying in any of them, and 
and and you know trying to do like apartment ministry and it was getting and then you know sitting on the executive team for the university chapter I was a part of and it was just a lot it was a lot uh, uh, when I was you know 22 years old and I was running ragged uh, and I'm a three on the Enneagram so you know those of you know like I'm just wanting to achieve and I don't really care that much I don't even know if I have these things called emotions or feelings, and when I realize I have them, it's too late. It's like too late when you realize they're there. And so I was start, you know, my, my a bunch of guys in my life, they decided that they were gonna um, surprise me with a a retreat. Uh, they wanted to, they could see me coming apart at the seams. And they wanted to take me on a weekend retreat. They got this like they got this cabin and on in the middle of a walnut tree farm with a pond right next to it. And they, and they and while I was gone, they came to my house and got all my stuff, packed my stuff up for me, my 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 books and some of my my things. And they were just gonna like their plan was to basically show up at the apartment on a Friday afternoon and abduct me, like kidnap me, and take me to on a retreat. As a, as a community of guys, like restoration and community in the woods, hear from the Lord, worship, pray around a fire, like whatever. Just, just, just take a break from Martha and, and be married for a weekend. And they, I show up at my house and I go down to my room and all my stuff is gone. And I'm thinking somebody broke in. And I'm starting to, and I'm like, there was a piece of me that was like somebody broke in. And there was a piece of me that thought somebody's playing a joke on me. Like we we had this guy's house and we just did stupid stuff to each other all the time. I thought somebody's playing a trick on me, and I start getting a little angsty. I start getting like a little angry, and uh, and nobody's home, nobody's around. So I'm calling everybody, and somebody picks up the phone. They're like, we don't know what's going on. And then I get on the phone with one of the guys, and and they're like, I'm talking to them, and they're like trying to, they're being really vague, and then they just like hang up on me. Because they couldn't like they couldn't navigate this conversation with me. They knew what was going on, and they were like, and then hung up. And immediately I knew like, oh, he's in on it. I don't know what they're doing, but he's in on it. And I knew like something was going on. I came out on my porch because I'm just steaming, frustrated because like five minutes has gone by where I couldn't be productive and like working and like get like getting after it because these people took my stuff. And I'm sitting on my, I'm standing on my front porch, and this van comes into the townhouse and they've got the side door the sliding door open and they're all wearing ski masks and they're coming into this parking lot and i know the van i know whose van that is and a lot of those guys just wore like the same clothes all the time so i know i know who each of them are there's four of them i can tell you exactly who each of them is with their ski masks on they come around with this like sliding door open they're just gonna like grab me and and they come around and they're like, they jump out of the car, they jump out of the van and come up to the, the porch, the front porch, and they're gonna like, I know, in my head, I know. These guys are like taking me somewhere, whatever. But I was just so angry. I was so full of rage about losing five minutes to not be able to do something. And they didn't ask my permission, they touched my stuff. And they came up on the porch like, yeah, we're, we're coming to get you, trying to act like it's a big, and I, I blew up and I just started fighting all of them. And these are like, I'm the leader of an university chapter. These are my student. Like, these are my, these are like leaders I'm coaching. And they're like on the team. And I'm just like, right, right hook, left hook, like MMA, like 
you bend over, you're getting a knee, and like I'm just going, and I was like a high school wrestler, so I'm like like shot double leg up and down, like we're just, I'm just taking them all out on the front porch, and it spills into the front yard, and people in the townhouse community are coming out, like what is going on? And my my wife, we weren't even dating yet, she came out on the front porch, and she was like, she's like, I'm going right back inside. She was like, I don't know. What's going on. And we're just fighting and all this stuff. And then this like big, like 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 250 pound guy that was like a state champ wrestler. He just came and just bear hugged me. And he was like, calm down. He said, he said, calm down, it's cord. And I said, I know you're cord. <laughs> he said, he said, it's cord, calm down. And he just laid down and like snug he just snuggled me. <laughs> Snuggle. And these leaders would come up and they'd be like, Lucas, it's okay, we're so sorry. And I'm trying to kick. My, my, my legs are free, I'm trying to kick. They're like, Lucas, calm down. And they say, we just wanted to take you on a retreat, man. We just wanted to help you be, help you be restored. We just want to take you on a break. And this one guy that was in the community, he, that he just, he, instead of saying, like, we just want to take you on a break, he said, he said, you've given your life so much to the mission of God but have you given your life to the Sabbath of God? Like you were, you, like the, the Sabbath is actually underneath the domain of God's reign on your life. And if you don't actually enter into the Sabbath, you're actually disobedient. You're like removing yourself from God's lordship and surrender and kingship over your life. And he just said this quick thing about like Lord of the Sabbath or whatever, and it, I just broke. Be, because of the conflict of like in surrender to God's mission, I had actually exited the fruit of God's spirit. Who, to just have so much rage and so much anger like come out of me. What is that? It has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. It has nothing to do with the reign of God. It has nothing to do with being a sheep of the good shepherd and, being, and abiding in him. And yet I'd felt like for months, years, I was abiding in him. And it led to this massive brawl, this massive fight in the front yard. And in that season of my life, in that season of my, my life, I can't tell you how many times somebody would come to me and say, you should take a break, you should take a break. And I would say something like, I'll take a break when Mother Teresa takes a break. Like, I'm so hard. Well, let me tell you, let me tell you a little bit about Mother Teresa. Let me tell you a little bit about Dorothy Day. Let me tell you a little about Oscar Romero. The, 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 the missionaries of charity in Calcutta, this was a day in the life of the missionaries of charity. 4.40, wake up. you got 20 minutes to kind of wash up, get dressed. 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock, prayer and reflection. 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock, a communal liturgy. 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock, you eat breakfast. 8 to 12.30, you actually go out and do ministry among the dead and dying. 12.30 to 1 o'clock, you have lunch. 1 o'clock, you take a nap. Amen, Labria, where are you? 1 o'clock, you take a nap until 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock, you wake up and you have Bible reading with the sisters in community. Three For an hour, 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock, you go back out and you work hard. 6 o'clock, you come back and, and for an hour and a half until... For, for actually two hours, you read the Psalms and you have a public liturgy. Eight o'clock, you eat dinner. Eight thirty, you have recreation for thirty minutes. Nine o'clock to ten o'clock, you have prayer. Ten o'clock, you go to sleep. The next day, you wake up. And the missionaries of charity would do that for three weeks out of the month, and then they'd take one week out of the month, and they would go and be totally secluded in prayer and fasting in the chapel. I'll take a break when Mother Teresa takes a break. Listen. With that level of intensity in ministry, you see that level of restoration and discipline, encountering God, 
walking in like love and leadership with God in community and having spaces of restoration and fasting. Now listen, the good news, this is the great news. This is the good news. The sustainability of your leadership over the long haul, over the lifetime, to beat the odds, it is actually not a matter of your will because your will is fickle. My will is fickle. I am weak. I am weak. And if it were up to my willpower, I'm in trouble. But your sustainability in ministry is actually a matter of the enabling grace of Christ Jesus. He's the one who actually takes charge of your spiritual formation, not you. You've got a role in it, but it's his to win. It's his to do. He's actually in charge of your development to finish in you what he started. It's not yours to take total control of. You've got a role in it, but it's his. It's his glory. It's his work. And he gives people rest. Hebrews has a whole lot to say about that. You try to go find rest on your own, it's going to be hard. He gives his people rest. He gives his people Sabbath. Galatians 5, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, in you, in me, in us. He literally says that you are not to do whatever you want. This is Galatians 5. Do not do whatever you want. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That self-control is a fruit of the Spirit from abiding in Christ Jesus over time. The same way that you can't just choose right now to just be more loving or be more peaceful or have more joy. It's a product of something else. So do not pursue self-control by direct campaign. It's something that comes from abiding in Christ Jesus, from being a sheep beneath the goodness of the shepherd, from being a Psalms 23. I'm fully content under the leadership of Christ Jesus. And from that place, a fruit of the Spirit comes called self-control. Just like all those other things. I, guys, I, I want to still be listening to Jesus and faithful to what he says when I'm 85. But what that means is I'm hoping to be a statistical anomaly. I need you to feel that this morning. I want to see Watson still saying yes to Jesus 15 years from now. I want I want to see I want to see George and Christian and Mike and Mark and Mark Dejude. I want to see and Joe Carr. I want to see everybody like 10 years from now still saying yes to Jesus. Still listening, still saying yes no matter the cost. I still want to see Creed saying yes to Jesus 10 15 years from now. I want everybody in this community 10 years, 15 years from now. I don't care if your microchurch still exists. You're, you're calling in this period of time. Don't, I, don't, I don't actually care if you're doing that thing 15 years from now. It's not up to me. It's not up to you. But I want all of us still saying yes to Jesus, still listening to him every single day and saying yes to whatever he wants. But by me saying that, and you, do you want that too? If we say we want that, guys, we're asking for something that is an anomaly in history. And so we actually can't rely on ourselves. It's actually a question for Christ Jesus. God, would you do this in us? Would you do this in us? Would you give us an extra scoop of divine mercy? Would you lead us in, in this sacrificial missionary life? 
Would you give us vision? Would you give us sustainability? Would you give us rest when we need it, when we're worried? Would you give us missionary fellowship and community that walks through the hard places together? But we're not alone. But we walk away from moral failure and conflict and burnout, and yet we are sustained over the long haul by the enabling grace of Christ Jesus. And so this morning as we come to the table, we come remembering the one who actually is in charge and takes control and has made it possible and has reigned victorious for your spiritual formation, for your lifelong development as a leader, for your sustainability, for your rest, for your labor. He brings it to you. He gives it to you. It's not yours to create. He already won it for you and he wants to give it to you. Sit at his feet. Sit at his feet today. night he took the bread and he broke it saying this is my body broken for you and when you eat it you eat it in remembrance of me and in the same way he took the cup saying this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins and when you drink it you drink it in remembrance of me and so family of missionaries called ones priests would you come this morning remembering and hungry for a life of surrender to this man, Jesus. Knowing that he actually wants to enable you to finish well over the long haul. Come hungry for that. Come asking him for that. Come realizing and remembering how he made that possible for you. And there's going to be prayer ministry available this morning on the sides. There's people who want to pray with you this morning. If, you're, if you feel like the Lord is saying something to you if, you, if you feel like you want people interceding with you about the, the, the things of the flesh and the ways in which the, de- the devil is actually trying to take you out of ministry right now. I know that's happening. I know there's people in this room who are on the edge right now. You're at the crossroads right now in some convoluted mess of the desires of the flesh and and the enemy's schemes in your life trying to pull you out of ministry, would you just come and receive prayer ministry? You don't even have to tell, you don't even know who it is. You don't have to say what's going on. Just say, would you just pray for me? Would you just intercede for me to engage and and believe in and hope again? Would Would you praise on my behalf before I even see the breakthrough, actually? And pray for me to, to, to receive the love and grace of Jesus to walk in the midst of it. This morning, underground family, when you're ready, the elements given for you.